Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. This is a special joint episode and I am your host, Steve Gordon. I'm here with my co-host from the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast, John Curry. Mr. Curry, great to have you back with us again. Good to see you, Steve. I'm looking forward to this. I love this next topic. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, We're going to have to watch the clock here because we could very quickly go through this and end up four hours down the road. And I I don't know if that that would be conducive to our listeners. So we'll we'll try and be kind to you. Um, What we are doing, folks, is uh, this is the, the, I guess, the fifth episode now in uh, a series of nine episodes where we are going through uh, the inevitable growth scorecard, which is a, a scorecard that uh, that I created on a plane ride, actually, uh, where all these ideas kind of came to me after some conversations that John and I had. So, if you would like to get a copy of the scorecard, you can actually go through it online. You can go to thegrowthscore.com, thegrowthscore.com, and uh, you can go through the scorecard and you can get your own score. And what it really is designed to do is help you assess where you feel like you stand today uh, with the, the growth of your business and, and the way that you're, uh, you're presenting yourself to the marketplace, uh, the way you've structured the growth in your business, and, uh, and then kind of give you a, a, a clear pathway to improving the areas that you feel like uh, need to be improved. So um, today we're going to talk about, I think, one of, one of the most fundamental mindsets uh, of all of, of these mindsets, John, and that's ideas that sell. And you use this concept extensively. I use it extensively. Um, really where it, it comes from for me is that I've always felt that it's way more effective to send my ideas out into the marketplace in various forms this podcast is one of them, um, and have the ideas pre-sell people on my way of thinking about the work that we do and approaching it and the way that we solve problems and getting them to buy into that because I, I believe that there are really um, there are stages to the buying process. Uh, first, people have to buy into the idea that they have a problem. Uh, that, that there's even anything to solve because if they don't buy into that, they're probably not buying anything you're selling. And then I think they have to buy into the idea that, that um, you know, there is a solution out there. They got to buy into the fact that you are the person to deliver that solution to them. Um, and then finally, if they make those three purchases, then they are ready to make the final purchase, which is the one that we all love. And that's where they give you money. Um, but if they don't buy into those first three before you're across the table from them, then you got an awful lot of convincing to do to get them to give you money. And it's much, much more difficult. And I'm pretty, when it comes to this stuff, I'm actually pretty darn lazy. I like people to show up ready to buy already pre-educated, predisposed, Mm -hmm. understanding what we do, understanding the problem that they have and hopefully understanding it because I've educated them on it. So I need ideas to do that. I need these little ideas to be able to send out, as I said, into the marketplace. So that's what we're going to talk about today. 
I love it. We're on the same path, but, but I will tell you, a lot of people are reluctant to do what you're describing. I have, uh, well, just last week, I had two gentlemen attend one of my seminars, they're financial advisors, and one of them asked me, why do you give so much content? Why would you do that? What's the purpose? I said, well, get them to want to come back and see me personally and ultimately give me money so I make money. He said, well, how many people will be here? I don't know. I don't know how many people registered, but let's just see what happens when they, we open the doors and let them in. And we had a back room. So on the, the side of the training room we use, it was full. And so he said, how'd you get them here? And most of the people who came were new people. Didn't know. I might have known five of the 38 that were sitting in the room. So what you're dealing with is most people are afraid to, quote, educate and give people content and information because they're afraid that they'll take their ideas and go somewhere else. I find just the opposite. The more I'm giving to people, the more they're wanting more. And I told you earlier a story about the lady who said you know, she felt guilty because she's been getting all of my content. Well, she's coming in to meet with me because now she's realizing, hey, you, you are my guy, even though I already got somebody else. I know that you're the right guy, but how do I do it? Well, I think there is that fear that, you know, if I give it all away, they'll just take it and go somewhere else or they'll do it themselves. I hear that a lot. I've been thinking about this and digging in with business owners for a long time. And I think, I think that's the surface concern. Mm-hmm. But I, I think along with that goes the idea that, or the fear that, well, hey, that's an awful lot of work. And what am I going to get out of it? So I think, I think that's part of it. Um, and, and I also think there's a fear there on the part of a lot of people that, well, if I put this out there and somebody doesn't like it, then they won't do business with me. But the truth is, if they were sitting across from you, they probably do business either because now they know nothing about you. Exactly. So I, I believe all those fears are unfounded, but those are the the various sort of expressions that I've you know, experienced coming from people. So let's talk about this first mindset under ideas that sell. So the first mindset um, is that, uh, and it ties right into this, you're not sure that, that you have any ideas that are unique or worthy of publishing to your prospects and clients. This is not the most common one that I hear, but when I hear this one, I, I honestly, I feel a little bit bad for the business owner because I, I feel like they've gotten themselves into this place where their thinking ha- has been really limited. Um, and, you know, in the last episode, we talked about clear value and the different ways that you can create value um, beyond just the thing that you're selling, the, the specific service or the product. And I think this ties into that. If you begin to see that they're there is this value in the leadership that you provide in the relationship and, and in the creativity, as Dan Sullivan says, that you know, now you can sort of transcend this, this first mindset. Um, and so, uh, but I see this, you know, I see this with people that they just feel like they don't have anything that's unique. And sometimes they put that unique uh, word in there and it just becomes a yoke around their necks. Yes. Well, they wonder how to do it. They're fearful. The, the word unique means I've got to be totally different. It doesn't have to be totally different. You can just be some little tiny, tiny difference that makes a huge difference in the results. Well, look, there is nothing new under the sun. And 
interesting. We um, we included the scorecard um, in one of our recent emails um, out to everybody on our list, and a woman wrote in and said, "You know, we're, we must, you know, have crossed paths in a, a previous life because you know this. I, you know, these are many of the things that I, I teach." to my clients and have taught for years. And I, I you know, I, that, that's fantastic. You know, um, a lot of these ideas have been around for a long, long time in various forms. And so the, the value that we're bringing here today, John, isn't necessarily that we're telling anybody anything they maybe haven't heard before, but we're organizing it and articulating it in a different way. Agreed. And that's valuable. Yeah, because there's a lot of time and energy that has been saved because of the work you've done here. I hope. I hope. Well, there's no hoping to it. That's a fact. The question is, does the right person see it and agree? Right. It's a fact that you put a lot of time in it. I know. Because I was sitting in the car with you. We were talking about it. <laughs> okay. So I knew that. And then you did it on the plane. This and hey, you, look what I've done. And I was like shocked at how fast you did it. I know. I think you were still... <laughs> having a conversation and sucking down a bourbon probably by the time I got this back to you. But uh, um, I'll tell you. Guilty. Yeah. (laughs) This was very productive, but I probably would have uh, preferred not to be working and and be right back there with you. So, um, you know, I I think if you're, if you identify with that, if you're sitting there feeling like, as you're listening to this, like what ideas do I have that are unique or worthy of publishing to your prospects and clients? I, I, I think first, let yourself off the hook a little bit. You know more than than you give yourself credit for. I, I have yet to meet a business owner that didn't have what I call their worldview, John. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, you know, everybody kind of has their opinionated way. Of, this is the way we do it. This is why we do it this way. And we do it this way because we believe it is a superior way to do it. I, I've, I've never met a business owner that didn't think that about the way that they do things. That's why they're a business owner. Right. Otherwise, why would you take the risk? You know, why would you get out of bed in the morning? And so you have it. You have these ideas. You maybe just don't recognize them as being uniquely yours. And I think the first thing to do is begin to get conscious of your worldview. Let me jump in. If we believe the statement you made that there's nothing new under the sun, okay, and I happen to believe that, then you can't be totally the only one with the idea. It's like this lady saying, you know, we must have crossed paths in the form of life. So it's just, the difference is, I may say the same exact words that you say, but they'll be taken differently because we have different techniques, different personality, different voice, different inflection. And, And I remember years and years ago, sort of recording audio CDs. Well, before then it was cassette tapes. I'd record every speech. People said, why are you doing that? Because I want to hear it again, plus I can loan it to people. And that led later to being able to have CDs. Uh, but when people hear your voice, like they're hearing now, there becomes this connection. You're developing the relationship. So it may be folks that you're, you think, well, I don't have anything new. I'm not unique. That's okay. Take what you're using Start sharing it with the world, and guess what? That is your uniqueness. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just because I may come along and say the same identical words doesn't mean you're not unique, but that is uniquely you. So don't let unique mean I've got to go find the only only person in the world doing that. That's not what Steve's saying, especially if you're a financial advisor. 
because we're limited in what we can say or do. And also we all have the same damn products. Oh, I mean, if, if you want to take this to the extreme, even, even Einstein with his theory of relativity was not a unique thought. It existed before. Correct. He just observed it. So um, he did something with it. And he did something with it. So uh, he articulated it. He packaged it. He communicated it. And that's really what this is about. So let's move on to the, the second mindset, John. Second is that you know that your approaches are unique and valuable, yet you struggle to package your intellectual property so that it attracts new clients. I find a lot of people in this boat where mm-hmm. they know that they, they've got something because their clients respond to it. You know, they might have their process that they, they use or whatever, but they just don't, they don't either don't know how or they maybe see how to do it, but they can't, you know, they can't quite get organized to get it done, to package it up as intellectual property. And by that, we mean, you know, creating books, podcasts, reports, websites, videos, whatever, whatever form you put it in, speeches, presentations, webinars. I find a lot of people struggle with getting over that, that hump of actually, now I've got the idea. Now, how do I package it into something that's going to be useful? I agree with that. I had trouble with that. I was creating all of this stuff you know, from the standpoint of doing seminars where back in 1982 was the first one, I think. So I had the content, but the way I was getting it out there was, well, didn't have the internet and all then, but basically it was mail a postcard, make a phone call. That was about it. Yeah, I remember my very first seminar, I would have the, the bullet points on a piece of paper and I would write it out on the flip chart, flip the pages. As it went, yeah, but that but that was uh, that, that was working, and frankly, I was the only person in the community doing it that way. But let's talk about that. So you packaged your ideas as a seminar, correct? Okay, and, correct. and and that what that did. See, most people already have these ideas, and they're communicating them in their sales process when they're across the table from a prospect, and they're doing it one on one. And when you begin to package the ideas so that the ideas can sell beyond you when you're not there. Now you begin to get some power and some leverage. And, and so what you did there, you put it in, packaged that into something you called a seminar, a workshop, a talk, whatever. Correct. And that allowed you to go from one-on-one to one to 10 maybe, or 15 or 30. Right. Well, that's a pretty good multiplier. Saved a heck of a lot of time, and the people had a place to come that was a safe haven so that they were around other people they might even know them. And now it gave them the ability to hear what I had to say in a safe environment. Will you expand on that idea, that safe environment, that safe haven? What do you mean? Well, if, if you come to my office and you don't really know me, in the back of your mind, you and your wife would probably even say, you know, we're not going to buy anything. We're just going to go listen. We're not going to buy anything. We're not going to buy anything. We've all done that. So anything and everything I can do to give prospective clients, even existing clients, a safe environment, safe haven, to where they come and they're not worried about a sales pitch, that takes away all the anxiety, or the majority of it at least. And then when they get there, I make sure we do things to make it even less anxious. The choice of music that's playing during the reception period, you know, how we introduce ourselves, how we introduce topics, make sure they know up front, hey folks, I don't have the power to hypnotize you and take your money away from you. So you're safe tonight. And they all laugh. <laughs> you know, 
And what it does is they're diffusing all that anxiety. That's what I mean by it, to where I want your mind to be receptive. I don't want you to be thinking about the fight you had with your spouse on the way to the seminar. I want that gone. So I want to work on your mental state so that you're now in a mental state of wanting to learn. Whether it be one-on-one with me or on a podcast, a webinar, live seminar, whatever. Well, and we've talked about the various forms. You just mentioned several of them. And that idea of, of removing the risk for a prospect, mm-hmm. I think, is, is really important. Right. So we all want prospects to engage with our ideas, but most of us are only allowing them to do that when, when we're in a sales meeting. Okay. Which means it's manual labor. Well, not only is it manual labor on your part, but it is supremely risky for the prospect because when they're in a sales meeting, they might accidentally buy something that they didn't want. That's their fear, Mm -hmm. right? So if you can uncouple the ideas from the sales meeting Mm -hmm. so that it can be delivered ahead of time, you, you now get to a pretty powerful position. And if I'm clear on what I know about most people, my people I want to work with, if I really know because I've taken the time to read and study and interview you, meaning you as in hundreds of you, now I have a better understanding of what it is that you want. We talked about that earlier. So now my ideas can be packaged in a way that the minute that you hear it or see it, it resonates with what's already in your head. Right. And if I'm, if I am interfering with what's already in your head, you're going to dispel me. You're going to cast me aside. But at the base of your skull, there's something called the RAS, the reticular activating system. And that's the little device that when you start thinking about buying a certain car, you see everyone on the road. At 80 miles an hour on the interstate, you'll see it. So if we know these things, why don't we take advantage of that and say, okay, I know that if you're 60 plus years old, you're concerned about when should I take Social Security? I'm going to be 65. How do I handle Medicare? Coordinate that with my other benefits at work. I know that. I know. And I've done. I've dealt with thousands of people on that. So why would I come in there and disrupt your thinking? I'm going to join in, uh, as Robert Collier taught us back in what 30s, I guess, join the conversation that's already in your head. Yeah, that's the idea as it Absolutely. Because you're thinking about it. Ooh, he knows this stuff. He's, he's published podcasts on it. He's done webinars on it. He's done seminars on these topics. I've got to go listen to him. He's now the expert. So now I'm the authority. Let's talk for a minute about the, the number one problem that I hear from business owners when they're struggling with all of these issues that, are, that we're talking about in the scorecard is that they, they do really good work. They want to work with more clients. And they're really good when they're in front of the right person. But the problem they all articulate is that I just need to get in front of more people. Correct. And what I have found to be, you know, we talked about there are no silver bullets, but I actually think this is a silver bullet. I have found the silver bullet to getting in front of more people is putting ideas out that will pre-sell those people and predispose them to working with you. I totally agree. And, and the more they go out there, see, every little postcard is not a postcard. That's a billboard. Yeah. We sent out 2,000 for the last summer. Yeah. And I've had friends in my office say, well, why would you mail so many? 
most of those people aren't going to come. Doesn't matter. So that's a little billboard. So they saw my picture. They saw the picture of the seminar that the room was packed last time. It creates this consciousness. You know, and when I see people at a function, hey man, thanks for the invitation. Sorry I couldn't make it. Okay, come to the next one or come see me personally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I really think this is this is the missing link for most businesses that are really struggling to get in front of enough people. I mean, you can do it with hard manual labor. Um, you can do it with, you know, dialing for dollars and all that sort of thing. But there's something I think really unique, John, about a prospect that responds to an idea. So I'll give you an example, right? So somebody comes into our world because they've purchased uh, my Unstoppable Referrals book. The fact that they enter from that context tells me a lot about that person. It, it tells me, number one, likely what problem they think they have. So I know how to engage in a conversation with them. Even if we haven't met, and even if that conversation is only over email, I know how to engage in a conversation with them because I, I know where they're coming from, you know, as opposed to if they, you know, go and download uh, my, my new book, Podcast Prospecting. Well, that tells me they're interested in something else. Um, if you've got a prospect that raises a hand because they get your uh, preparing for a secure retirement book, you know that they have some concerns around that. Correct. And it, it gives you the ability now, instead of going out to somebody cold <clears throat> and trying to, to hopefully give them your best elevator pitch and hope that it lands, you're now sending your idea out and seeing who comes back? Correct. Who does it bring back for you? It's, you know, it's like a little retriever. It goes out and it retrieves mm -hmm. future clients and it brings them back. And now you get to see, will they engage further? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really powerful <clears throat> thing to have. And as we keep sending out ideas and we track them, we may discover the four or five ideas. And then when all of these things come together, they go, whoops, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so that's the, the second of these mindsets that you know that your approaches are unique and valuable, yet you've struggled to package up your intellectual property so that it attracts new clients. Let's go on to the third mindset. Um, I see this one a lot with, um, with business owners who've been around for a little while. And, and the third mindset is that you have developed a proprietary method and you've developed some intellectual property for your work and you guard them really closely from your competitors. Now, you ever see anything like this? I see it all the time. All the time in my world, because some financial advisors say, well, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing because you might steal it. And people want to come to my seminar and say, come on. You, you actually invite other advisors to come in. Most of the time, they won't take you up on it. That's true. Which is probably foolish and costs them money, but most, most won't take you up on it. But you'll let them in. I'll let them in. And uh, if there's somebody that I know it's part of a firm, I don't charge. Others, the most I've ever charged, somebody was $1,000. Had five guys from Dallas, Texas, many years ago now. I forget how many years ago. Good Lord. It's got to be 30 years ago. They said the five of us like to come. I said, what would you charge? They said, what would you charge us? I said, $1,000 each. They said, that's a bargain. We're coming. So they came. <laughs> Remember that's the old awesome. Ramada Inn on North Monroe? Oh, yeah. That's where we did it, and they stayed there. That's hilarious. So that's a long time ago. 
So you can get paid for your ideas. Yeah, maybe if, I need to do that again. Yeah, <laughs> if your ideas are powerful and they're getting out there and they're actually creating sales, your competitors will actually come and pay you for those ideas. Yeah, I'm thinking that was that was back. That was in 1991. 1991. Well, $5,000 was worth a lot more back then than it is now. <laughs> Uh, so I, I see that a lot. Generally, the, that's with you know companies who've kind of built something up and they feel like they got to guard it. And you know, they had somebody send me a non-disclosure agreement. I said I, I don't sign those. I've never seen anything different enough. You know, unless you're inventing the the next personal computer or iPhone, I, I'm you know I don't need to sign that because you don't have anything that unique. I get that occasion. And we actually can't not sign one because of the financial uh, regulatory yeah. rules. But if I could, I wouldn't. I said, no, no, I'm not doing that. I understand that you, you're doing that for a reason. Uh, but that's telling me already that we don't need a relationship. Right. That's, that's usually exactly <laughs> it. All right. So let's move on to the fourth mindset here. Um, and, and this is really the one that we see in, um, in our most successful clients. Let me ask you a question before you go here. Yeah. Would it be easier to save a lot of time just by simply saying, look, let's just leapfrog to the best one and be done with all the others? Well, but I think it I think it actually is important for for people to hear these others because you may be in one of these. There's no maybe. We have all been through each of these. Yeah, it's a journey. That, that's, that's, I was having fun with the question in the sense that so many people are impatient. Is it, give me the good stuff. Give me good stuff now. Give me the best. Tell me what to do. No, because if you don't identify with where you have been and where you are now, I don't think you'll be ready and appreciate it. Now, don't dwell on the past. There's a past, there's a present, and there's a future. Too many people live in the past or the future and they're not present. And that's costing them a lot of time and energy that they, they shouldn't be giving up. And I'm learning this more and more with some study than I'm doing. But I wanted to say that because most people are so dead gum impatient that they don't want to take the time to understand where they are. And if they would work on the present, all of a sudden you will attract to you the future. It'll come. But until you identify and you're honest with where you are now with each of these four, I don't think you've got a chance of improving. I agree totally. I think that's part of the power in, in going through the, the scorecard. Um, and you know, the, the analogy is that, you know, if you sit here and say, well, I want to go to San Francisco and I'm going to leave tomorrow. Well, if you don't know where you're starting from, which direction would you go? No idea. And it doesn't matter, does it? I guess not. And how, and, and how would you ever get there, right? Just stay around in a circle. Right. So, I mean, people always talk about, well, you have to know where you're going, you know, if you ever want to get there. I agree. But you also have to know where you are now. Um, and and you can't chart a course there without knowing both. The beginning and the end, alpha and omega. Yeah. All right. So the, the fourth here, and again, this is kind of the ideal, the, the, the thing that we see the most successful people, uh, the way that they think. Um, and it reads, clients are attracted to your innovative and transformative ideas, and you package your ideas in books, presentations, and podcasts. And, and webinars. Well, pre those are presentations. <laughs> True. So, um, and um, I just, the, the most successful people that I know and the most successful clients we've ever had do those things. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they are constantly thinking about their ideas. They are constantly listening to how 
the clients that they're working with respond to those ideas and they are refining the articulation of, of those ideas. And I mean, if you want to just pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, for, for anybody that's followed, you know, our firm for the last 10 years, you will have seen an evolution of thinking over the course of time and hopefully an improvement, but certainly an evolution. And, um, you know, and so the, the folks that I see that are most successful are always kind of going through both how they express it and, and which ideas they use. Right? And I imagine this is true in, in, you know, for you, John, there was probably a time where you, your ideas centered around maybe a different set of solutions than what they center around now because solutions change, times change, people's desires change. People change. I was just thinking, I was jotting this down, well, my career path of 45 years, when I first started in 1975, it was all about selling life insurance to young people because they had debt, had kids, and wanted to take care of Well, and I was just, just this week, a uh, couple that I, we were debating, we can't remember if he was my second or third client because his buddy was also here, the second or third. And we've been together all these years, all these years. And he was saying, you know, I've noticed that over time, as my needs have changed, you've been right there with me and you understood. And I said, that's true, because we went through this life together. So as my clients have gotten older, I'm 67. I had my oldest clients, 102. I had a lot of clients in their 80s and 90s. So by working with so many people in their 80s and 90s over the years when I was much younger, I'm better prepared and qualified to help them with issues as people age. So as word gets out, they're telling their friends, hey, this is my guy. Yeah, go see him. Or they're in a seminar and they hear Rick and I banter back and forth about knowing each other for 45 years. 45 years, are you kidding me? I want this guy. Yeah, but absolutely it's progress from, from the tools I use, from the flip charts to you know, podcasts and webinars, uh, from using a phone that looked like a big old brick to a little tiny iPhone now. Yeah, heck yeah, it's changed. So let, I want to talk just for a minute before we wrap up, John, about um, about some shortcuts okay. to, to getting there. Because there's a practicality to this, right? I mean, you're a pretty good writer. Um, I'm, I'm an okay writer. and No, you're not an okay writer. You're, you're very good, very great writer. You know that. And I, I, well, thank I, you. I struggle with it. But I can write, but I do better if I can speak it and then get it on paper as a transcript and then clean it up. Well, and that's the that's kind of the <clears throat> shortcut. So one of the things that that we've really latched onto here recently is you know this this new technology that that we're all participating in right now. You and I and, and everybody who's listening, we're participating in the this technology of podcasting. What we have found is that it's a really great tool for creating relationships. And I, you know, I wrote a book that you uh, you actually interviewed me through. We did a video series on that yes. uh, called The Exponential Network Strategy and how to create relationships that you can then use to drive referrals. Um, and and we kind of started with podcasting there. And then what we've seen is that, that there are all of these other layers that we've added to it over the last couple of years that make doing what we're talking about here, capturing these ideas that sell, really, really easy. And so one of the things that, that we're doing now with a lot of the new companies that we work with is we're sitting down as they start their podcast and we're, uh, we're actually 
asking them about their worldview, as we said earlier. What's your unique way of, of doing things? And sometimes it's just really a lot easier when you've got someone who can be a fresh set of eyes and sort of pull it out of you and, and, and help you listen to you and help you kind of organize it. And so we're organizing that into an outline and then we're using three or four or five or maybe six podcast episodes and, you know, and I'll get on and I'll interview them mm-hmm. so they can talk about their worldview and each of the various components of it. And then we take that and we give it to a copywriter and voila, you have a book, right? You know, and so using it as a vehicle for clarifying your ideas and then for capturing them. So you don't have to, you can be the author, but not the writer. And, and then uh, once that's done, then taking the podcast and using it as the way to build the relationships that are going to help you get that book in front of all of the people that you want to have an impact on and all the potential clients you want to reach. We're finding that as a tool, this thing that you and I are doing right now is just so valuable and so efficient, just a powerful, powerful tool. And anybody can do it because it's so easy to have a conversation. It's multi-purpose too. From the standpoint, you can do the recording, have the transcript. That could be a handout you give to someone. It could be something you email. It could become a book. It could become a seminar. You know, my book was a result of my seminars, right? Because I said, well, wait a minute. If I'm doing this anyway, so, uh, you know, Marjorie helped me put that together. And I got two more in my head that I want to get done, but we're so busy doing other stuff that you and I haven't gotten around to doing that. (laughs) So we'll get it done. Well, and... You know, it just, it gives you such, such a powerful way to capture these ideas. And one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of business owners is that if they can get to a place where they're just talking with someone about their ideas, uh, I was listening to one of our new clients did their very first podcast episode uh, recording yesterday. And I, you know, remember talking with them and, you know, as we were going through the, the onboarding process and all of that and, you know, and having them articulate their worldview was a little bit difficult as I was talking with them. They were struggling with that. Well, then, you know, we turned the microphone on and we, you know, we're asking a few key questions and boy, man, it just rolls off. It was like effortless for them because we were just having a conversation. And so, you know, so for folks, if if you've been struggling with that, this is a a medium that that will make it very easy for you. Now, of course, we can help you with that. There are other companies that can help you with that. You can, you know, work with your own team to, to get it put together, but but it will help you get to the point where you have ideas that you can then package and sell. And that's the point of, of today's podcast. Ideas that sell that you have to be prepared to take the time or find someone that will take the time with you to package those ideas. And then they have to be delivered so people can consume them. And then those who like the ideas and they resonate with them, they will come to you. Absolutely. So I'm going to take a quick second here, if you'll allow me. I'm going to recap kind of where we've been through the scorecard, because we're at the halfway point. I don't know if you realize that, John. We're at the halfway point through the scorecard. Yes. And we've done four of the eight mindsets. We did a little overview to begin with, and we're really kind of building momentum here. And what we're going to get into in the second half of the scorecard is how you take everything that we've done so far, and now we're going to start stacking bricks on top that actually will get these ideas in front of the right people, get the people to respond to you, um, talk about a bunch of different ways to do that. So so we got a lot coming up, but where we started was with who is your who? That was the first mindset, all about getting clear on who your ideal client is. And then we talked about the target 100 advantage and, and that's getting this 
very focused list of prospects so that you can go deep with them over the long term, whether it's 100 people or 1,000 people. The point is get a list that uh, together that is focused enough that you can afford to, to stay in front of them for the long haul. Um, then we talked about clear value so that you're, you've got a clear message and, and that it conveys the value. Um, it, it talks to clients and conveys what they really want. And uh, that was the last episode. And then today we talked about ideas that sell. And all of that really gets you prepared to then be able to go out and put these ideas in front of people. And so I'm, I'm super excited about the next four episodes because we're going to talk about a lot of different ways to get these ideas out in front of people and get them to respond to you. Absolutely. And it will make their life better and it'll make your life better. Absolutely. Well, my friend, thank you very much for investing more time with me today and uh, going through all of this. And, and, and I'm excited for these ideas. It's my pleasure. And it was great investing time with you. And I learned something new every time we were together. And from a selfish standpoint, if no one ever listened to this, it's giving us value. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Take care, everybody. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by the Unstoppable Agency. That is the agency part of our business where we work with professional service firms and create a done-for-you marketing program. And what that looks like is we actually sit down with you. We come together and define your ideal client with you. We go build a list of those people and then we begin reaching out to them on your behalf to book them as guests on your podcast. We call it podcast prospecting and it's a fantastic way to connect with potential clients and influencers that can refer you and it's end-to-end -end a done-for-you system. And so if that's something that you think might be the right fit for your business, go to our website, go to unstoppableceo.net. You can uh, find there on the homepage a link to a video presentation that explains how it all works. And if you'd like, let's get together and have a quick 20-minute conversation and see if we're a fit. Again, that's at unstoppableceo.net. Right on the homepage, look for a link to the video that explains how it all works.